Section 34 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Charles Routine, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolly, Chapter 42, Part 1. The princess of Hangwu dispels with sweet words some insane suspicions. The inmate of Xiaoshan puts, with excellent repartee, the final touch to the jokes made about Liu. We will now resume our story by adding that, on the return of the young ladies into the garden, they had their meal. This over, they parted company and nothing more need be said about them. We will notice, however, that Ogutiliu Liu took Peng Er along with her, and came first and paid a visit to Lady Feng. We must certainly start for home tomorrow as soon as it is daylight, she said. I've stayed here, it's true, only two or three days, but in these few days I have reaped experience in everything that I had not seen from old till now. It would be difficult to find anyone as compassionate of the poor and considerate to the old as your venerable dame, your madam Wong, your young ladies, and the girls too attached to the various rooms have all shown themselves in their treatment of me. When I get home now, I shall have no other means of showing how grateful I am to you than by purchasing a lot of huge joss stakes and saying daily prayers to Buddha on your behalf. And if he spares you all to enjoy a long life of a hundred years, my wishes will be accomplished. Don't be so exultant, Lady Feng smilingly replied. It's all on account of you that our old ancestor has fallen ill by exposing herself to droughts, and that she suffers from disturbed sleep. Also that our Dajerer has caught a chill, and is laid up at home with fever. Liu, at these words, speedily heaved a sigh. Her venerable ladyship, she said, is a person advanced in years, and not accustomed to any intense fatigue. She has never before been in such high spirits as yesterday, Lilifong observed. As you were here, so anxious was she to let you see everything, that she trudged over the greater part of the garden, and Dajer was given a piece of cake by Madame Wong when I came to hunt you up, and she ate it, who knows in what windy place, and began once to get feverish. Dajer, Liu remarked, hasn't, I fancy, often put her foot into the garden, and young people like her mustn't really go into strange places, for she's not like our children who are able to use their legs. In what graveyards don't they ramble about? A puff of wind may, on the one hand, have struck her. It's not at all unlikely. Or being, on the other, so chaste in body, and her eyes also so pure, she may, it is to be feared, have come across some spirit or other. I can't help thinking, therefore, that you should consult some book of exorcisms on her behalf. Or might she may have run up against some evil influence. 
This remark suggested the idea to Lady Feng. There and then she called Ping Er to fetch the jade box record. When brought, she desired Tai Ming to look over it for her. Tai Ming turned over the pages for a time and then read. Those who fall ill on the 25th day of the 8th moon have come across in a due restly quarter of some flower spirit. They feel heavy, with no inclination for drink or food. Take seven sheets of white paper money, and advancing forty steps due west, burn them and exorcise the spirit. Recovery will follow at once. There's really no mistake about that, Lady Fong smiled. Are there not flower spirits in the garden? But what I dragged is that our old lady mayn't have come across one too. Saying this, she bade a servant purchase two lots of paper money. On their arrival, she sent for two proper persons, the one to exorcise the spirits for Dowager Lady Jia, and the other to expel them from Dowager. And these observances over, Dowager did, in fact, drop quietly to sleep. Is verily people advanced in years like you, Lady Feng smilingly exclaimed, who've gone through many experiences. This Dajer of mine has often been inclined to ill, and it has quite puzzled me to make out how and why it was. This isn't anything out of the way, Guzi Liu said. Efference and honorable people bring up their offspring to be delicate. So naturally, they are not able to endure the least hardship. Moreover, that young child of yours is so excessively cuddled that she can't stand it. Were you, therefore, my lady, to pamper her less from henceforth, she'll steadily improve. There's plenty of reason in that too, Lady Fong observed. But it strikes me that she hasn't as yet got a name. So do give her one in order that she may borrow your long life. In the next place, you are country people, and are, after all, I don't expect you get angry when I mentioned it, somewhat in poor circumstances. Were a person then as poor as you are to suggest a name for her, you may, I trust, have the effect of counteracting this influence for her. When old Guti Liu heard this proposal, she immediately gave herself up to reflection. I have no idea of the date of her birth. She smiled after a time. She really was born on no propitious date, Lady Fong replied. By a remarkable coincidence, she came into the world on the seventh day of the seventh moon. This is certainly splendid. Ogoti Liu laughed with alacrity. You had better name her at once Chao that is, seventh moon and ingenuity. This is what's generally called combating poison by poison and attacking fire by fire. If, therefore, your ladyship fixes upon this name of mine, she will, for surety, attain a long life of a hundred years. And when she by and by grows up to be a big girl, every one of you will be able to have a home and get a patrimony. Or, if at any time there occur anything inauspicious and she has to face adversity, why, it will inevitably change into prosperity. And if she comes across any evil fortune, it will turn into good fortune.
and this will all arise from this one word, Zhao, that is ingenuity. Lady Feng was, needless to say, delighted by what she heard, and she lost no time in expressing her gratitude. If she be preserved, she exclaimed, to accomplish your good wishes, it will be such a good thing. Saying this, she called Ping Er. As you and I are bound to be busy tomorrow, she said, and won't, I fear, be able to spare any leisure moments, you would better, if you have nothing to do now, get ready the presents for old Goody Liu, so as to enable her to conveniently start an early dawn tomorrow. How could I presume to be the cause of such reckless waste? Goody Liu interposed, I've already disturbed your peace and quiet for several days, and were I to also take your things away, I'd feel still less at ease in my heart. There's nothing much, Lady Feng protested. They consist simply of a few ordinary things. But whether, good or bad, to take them along. So that the people in the same street as yourselves and your next-door neighbors may have some little excitement, and that it may look as if you had been on a visit to the city. But while she endeavored to induce the old dame to accept the presents, she noticed Ping Er approach. Goody Liu, she remarked, come over here and see. Goody Liu precipitately followed Ping Er into the room on the off side. Here she saw the stove coach half full with piles of things. Ping Er took these up one by one and let her have a look at them. This, she explained, is a row of that green gauze you asked for yesterday. Besides this, our lady phone gives you a piece of thick, rouge-white gauze to use as lining. These are two pieces of pungee, which will do for weather coats and jupers as well. In this bundle are two pieces of silk for you to make clothes with for the end of the year. This is a box containing various homemade cakes. Among them are some you've already tasted and some you haven't. So take them along and put them in plates and invite your friends. They will be ever so much better than any that you could buy. These two bags are those in which the melons and fruit were packed up yesterday. This one has been filled with two bushels of fine rice grown in the imperial fields. The like of which for congee it would not be easy to get. This one contains fruits from our garden and all kinds of dry fruits. In this packet, you will find eight tails of silver. These various things are presents for you from our mistress Secunda. Each of these packets contains fifty tails, so that there are in all a hundred tails. They are the gifts of Madame Wang. She bids you accept them so as to either carry on any trade for which no big capital is required, or to purchase several acres of land in order that you mayn't henceforward have any more to beg favors of relatives or to depend upon friends. Continuing, she added smilingly in a low tone of voice, These two jackets, two yupas, four headbands, and a bundle of velvet and thread are what I give you, worthy dame, as my share. These clothes are, it is true, the worst for use, yet I haven't worn them very much, but if you disdain them, 
I won't be so presuming as to say anything. After mention of each article by Pinger, Buddha Liu muttered the name of Buddha. So already she had repeated Buddha's name several thousands of times. But when she saw the heap of presents which Pinger too bestowed on her, and the little ostentation with which she did it, she promptly smiled. Miss, she said, what are you saying? Could I ever disdain such nice gifts as these? Had I even the money, I couldn't buy them anywhere. The only thing is that I feel overpowered with shame. If I keep them, it won't be nice. And if I don't accept them, I shall be showing myself ungrateful for your kind attention. Don't utter all this irrelevant talk, Pinga laughed. You and I are friends. So compose your mind and take the things I gave you just now. Besides, I have, on my part, something to ask of you. When the close of the year comes, select a few of your cabbages, dipped in lime and dried in the sun, as well as some lentils, flat beans, tomatoes, and pumpkin strips, and various sorts of dry vegetables, and bring them over. We are all, both high or low, fond of such things. This will be quite enough. We don't want anything else, so don't go to any useless trouble. Buddha Liu gave utterance to profuse expressions of gratitude and signified her readiness to comply with her wishes. Just you go to sleep, Pinger urged, and I'll get the things ready for you and put them in here. As soon as the day breaks tomorrow, I'll send the servant lads to hire a cart and pack them in. Don't you therefore worry yourself in the least on that score? Buddha Liu felt more and more ineffably grateful. So crossing over, she again said, with warm protestations of thankfulness, goodbye to Lady Fong. After which, she repaired to Daoja Lady Jia's quarters on this side, where she slept with one sleep during the whole night. Early the next day, as soon as she had combed her hair and performed her ablutions, she asked to go and pay her adieus to Lady Jia, but as old Lady Jia was unwell, the various members of the family came to see how she was getting on. On their reappearance outside, they transmitted orders that the doctor should be sent for. In a little time, a matron reported that the doctor had arrived, and an old nurse invited Dowager Lady Jia to ensconce herself under the curtain. I'm an old woman, Lady Jia remonstrated. Am I not aged enough to be a mother to that fellow? Am I, pray, to still stand on any ceremonies with him? There's no need to drop the curtain. I'll see him as I am, and have done. Hearing her objections, the matrons fetched a small table, and laying a small pillow on it, they directed a servant to ask the doctor in. Presently, they perceived the trio, Jia Chen, Jia Lian, and Jia Rong, bringing Dr. Wong. Dr. Wong did not presume to use the raised road, but confining himself to the side steps. He kept pace with Jia Chen until they reached the platform. Two matrons who had been standing, one on either side from an early hour, raised the portier. A couple of old women servants then took the lead and showed the way in. But Pao Yu too 
appeared on the scene to meet them. They found old Lady Cha seated bolt upright on a coach, dressed in a blue crepe jacket lined with sheepskin, every curl of which resembled a pearl. On the right and left stood four young maids, whose hair had not as yet been allowed to grow, with flying brushes, finger bowls, and other such articles in their hands. Five or six old nurses were also drawn up on both sides like wings. At the back of the jay-green cosmos quiddle house were faintly visible several persons in red and green habiliments, with gems on their hats and gold trinkets in their coiffures. Dr. Wong could not muster the courage to raise his head. With speedy step, he advanced and paid his obeisance. Dr. Lady Jia noticed that he wore the official dress of the sixth grade, and she accordingly concluded that he must be an imperial physician. How are you, noble doctor? she inquired, forcing a smile. What is the worthy surname of this noble doctor? she then asked Jia Jin. Jia Jin and his companions made prompt reply. His surname is Wang, they said. There was once a certain Wang Jinxiao who filled the chair of president of the College of Imperial Physicians. Dowager Lady smilingly proceeded. He excelled in feeling the pulse. Dr. Wang bent his body, and with alacrity he lowered his head and returned her smile. That was, he explained, my grand-uncle, is it really so? Livingly pursued Dowager Lady Jia upon catching this reply. We can then call ourselves old friends. So speaking, she quietly put out her hand and rested it on the small pillow. A nurse laid hold of a small stool and placed it before the small table, slightly to the side of it. Dr. Wong bent one knee and took a seat on the stool, drooping his head he felt the pulse of the one hand for a long while. Next, he examined that of the other, after which, hastily making a curtsy, he bent his head and started on his way out of the apartment. Excuse me for the trouble I've put you to, Dowager Lady Jia smiled. Jinner, escort him outside, and do see that he has a cup of tea. Jia Jin, Jia Lin, and the rest of their companions immediately acquiesced by uttering several yeses, and once more they led Dr. Wong into the outer study. Your worthy senior, Dr. Wong, explained, has nothing else the matter with her than a slight chill, which she must have inadvertently contracted. She needn't, after all, take any medicines. All she need do is to diet herself and keep warm a little, and she'll get all right. But I will now write a prescription in here, should her venerable ladyship care to take any of the medicine, then prepare those, according to the prescription, and let her have it. But should she be loath to have any, well, never mind, it won't be of any consequence. Saying this, he wrote the prescription as he sipped his tea, but when about to take his leave, he saw a nurse bring Da Jie into the room. Mr. Wong, she said, do also have a look at our Jie Upon hearing her appeal, Dr. Wong immediately rose to his feet. While she was clasped in her nurse's arms, he rested Da Jie's hand on his left hand and felt her pulse with his right, and rubbing her forehead, he 
asked her to put out her tongue and let him see it. Were I to express my views about Jair, you would again abuse me. If she is, however, kept quiet and allowed to go hungry for a couple of meals, she'll get over this. There's no necessity for her to take any decoded medicines. I'll just send her some pills, which you'll have to dissolve in a preparation of ginger, and give them to her before she goes to sleep. When she has had these, there will be nothing more the matter with her. As the conclusion of these recommendations, he bade them goodbye and took his departure. Jia Zhen and his companions then took the prescription and came and explained to old Lady Jia the nature of her indisposition, and depositing on the table the paper given to them by the doctor. They quitted her presence, but nothing more need be said about them. Madame Wang and Li Wen, Lady Feng, Bao Chai, and the other young ladies noticed, meanwhile, that the doctor had gone, and they eventually egressed from the back of the mosquito house. After a short stay, Madame Wang returned to her quarters. Goody Liu repaired when she perceived everything quiet again into the upper rooms and made her adieus to Dowager Lady Jia. When you've got any leisure, do pay us another visit, old Lady Jia urged and bidding Yuan Yang come to her. Do be careful, she added, and see Dame Liu safely on her way out. For not being well, I can't escort you myself. Goody Liu expressed her thanks, and saying goodbye a second time, she betook herself, along with Yuan Yang, into the servants' quarters. Here, Yuan Yang pointed at a bundle on the stove couch. These are, she said, several articles of clothing belonging to our old mistress. They were presented to her in years gone by by members of our family on her birthdays and various festivals. Her ladyship never wears anything made by people outside, yet to hoard these would be a downright pity. Indeed, she hasn't worn them even once. It was yesterday that she told me to get our two costumes and hand them to you to take along with you, either to give as presents or to be worn by someone in your home. But don't make fun of us. In the box, you will find the flower fruits, for which you asked. This bundle contains the medicines to which you alluded the other day. There are plum blossom spotted tongue pills, and purple gold ingot pills, also vivifying blood vessels pills, as well as driving offspring and preserving life pills, each kind being rolled up in a sheet bearing the prescription, and a whole lot of them are packed up in here, while these two are purses for you to wear in the way of ornaments. So saying, Sui forthwith loosened the cord, and producing two ingots, representing pencils, and with Rui on them, implying, your wishes will surely be fulfilled. She drew near and showed them to her. Take the purses, she pursued, smiling, but you leave these behind and give them to me. Goody Liu was so overjoyed that she had, from an early period, come out afresh with several thousands of invocations of Buddha's names. When she therefore heard Yuan Yuan's suggestion, Miss, she quickly rejoined, you are at perfect liberty to keep them. Yuan Yuan perceived that her words were believed by her. So smiling, she once more dropped the ingots into the purse. 
I was only joking with you for fun, she observed. I've got a good many like these. Give them therefore, and give them, at the close of the year, to your young children. Speaking the while, she espied a young maid walk in with a cup from the Cheng Kyung and hand it to Ogudi Liu. This, she said, our master Secundus, Mr. Bao, gives you. Whence could I begin illuminating the things I got? Gudi Liu exclaimed, In what previous existence did I accomplish anything so meritorious as to bring today this heap of blessings upon me? With these words, she eagerly took possession of the cup. The clothes I gave you the other day when I asked you to have a bath were my own, Yuan resumed, and if you don't think them too mean, I've got a few more which I would also like to let you have. Kutiliu thanked her with vehemence. So Yuan in point of fact, produced several more articles of clothing, and these she packed up for her. Kutiliu thereupon expressed a desire to also go into the garden and take leave of Bao Yu and the young ladies, Madame Wang and the other inmates, and to thank them for all they did for her. But Yuan Yang raised objections. You can dispense with going, she remarked. They don't see anyone just now, but I'll deliver the message for you by and by. When you've got any leisure, do come again. Go to the second gate, she went on to direct an old matron, and call two servant lads to come here and have this old dame to take her things away. After the matron had signified her obedience, Yuan Yang returned with Gudi Liu to Lady Feng's quarters, on the off part of the mansion, and taking the presents as far as the side gates, she bade the servant lads carry them out. She herself then saw Gudi Liu into her curricle and start on her journey homewards. But without commenting further on this topic, let us revert to Bao Chai and the other girls. After breakfast, they recrossed into their grandmother's rooms and made inquiries about her health. On their way back to the garden, they reached a point where they had to take different roads. Bao Chai then called out to Da Yu. Ping Er, she observed, come with me. I've got a question to ask you. Da Yu went at her steps, therefore with Bao Chai, into the Hang Wu court. As soon as they entered the house, Bao Chai threw herself into a seat. Kneel down, she smiled. I want to examine you about something. Tai Yu could not fathom her object and consequently laughed. Look here, she cried. This chit Bao has gone clean off her senses. What do you want to examine me about? Bao Chai gave a sardonic smile. My dear, precious girl, my dear maiden, she exclaimed, what utter trash fills your mouth? Just speak the honest and candid truth, and finish. Dai Yu could so little guess her meaning that her sole resource was to smile. Inwardly, however, she could not help beginning to experience certain misgivings. What did I say? she remarked. You're bent upon picking out my faults. Speak out and let me hear what's all about. Do you still pretend to be a fool? Bao Chai laughed. When we played yesterday that game of wine forfeits, what did you say? I really couldn't make out any head or tail. Da Yu, after a moment's reflection, remembered eventually that 
she had the previous day been guilty of a slip of the tongue and come out with a couple of passages from the peony pavilion and the record of the west side house and of a sudden her face got scarlet with blushes drawing lia bao chai she threw her arms around her my dear cousin she smiled i really wasn't conscious of what i was saying it just blurted out of my mouth but now that you've called me to task i won't say such things again i've no idea of what you were driving at bao chai lovingly rejoined what i heard you recite sounds so thoroughly unfamiliar to me that i beg you to enlighten me dear cousin pleaded da yu don't tell anyone else i won't in the future breathe such things again end of section thirty four